Welcome to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, your tour guide on the journey to becoming a veterinarian. Listen along as we provide you with tips, tricks, and tales on applying to veterinary school. Welcome back to the Pre-Vet Podcast. I'm Alex Avellino, and just a quick reminder for our audience that season three is being recorded during social distancing, so the audio might sound a little bit different. Today, I have four student guests to talk about diversity, inclusion, and leadership. It's something that we talk about a lot at the CVM, but really it's becoming a part of our daily lives and our daily conversation. And I recognize that for a lot of pre-vet students, you maybe haven't had the same leadership opportunities to discuss your diversity and why inclusion is important. So today we have our DVM students on to help us tackle the questions that you're going to get asked in essays and interviews and in life. So I would love for my guests to introduce themselves, starting with Andrea. Andrea, go ahead and tell us um, your name, your class year, and you know what else we're gonna do, uh, guests and audience? We're also gonna list our identities, some of our identities. So before I ask my guests to do that, I will go ahead and start. So when audience, when you're thinking about your identities, these are qualities, traits, characteristics that you go into every situation with, whether it's your gender, your sexual orientation, your age, your personality traits. Maybe you're really, really outgoing and that's part of your identity. So I'll go ahead and name a couple of mine. I definitely identify with being a gator. I have lived in Gainesville for 15 years. I got my bachelor's and my master's degree at UF. So being a gator and being competitive is definitely an identity that I have. Another identity I associate with is being a woman. So I um, as a woman, I recognize that leadership is really important to me. I want to be a mentor and role model for a lot of young women. So I know that being a woman is important to me. And another identity, I think that, especially in diversity and inclusion, another identity I have is being an ally. So I um, am a pretty traditional human in veterinary medicine. If I was going to be a veterinarian, I am a woman, I'm white. I'm, I'm straight, so I really identify with being an ally and um, finding opportunities for marginalized populations and students who have been underrepresented to have a voice and feel included. So those are some of my identities. So Andrea, go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience. Hi everyone, um, my name is Andrea Rodriguez. I am a second year at the college. Um, I was born and raised in South Florida. My parents immigrated to the United States from Colombia. So I identify, I'm a daughter of immigrants, um, I'm Latin. I have also, one of my other identities is being um, gay. And so that's been very interesting to navigate both in my culture and um, in the workforce. One of my other identities is that I have a very strong personality. So that definitely um, affects how I interact with the world. And I also come from a working class family. Um, my parents run a small business. So a lot of times in different situations, I notice that I can recognize how financial circumstances come into play. Um, and so coming from working class and having that, um, that view um, has definitely been um, helpful, I would say. Hi guys, I'm Hera Bassett. I am a third year student at UF, so I'm part of the class of 2022, just starting my clinical rotations. Um, I identify as a very, very strong Pakistani American Muslim woman. Um, my parents came to America. I was born and raised in Hialeah, Florida, so I also have a little bit of 
you know, Latin culture influence into my life, which is interesting to navigate. My parents came here in the 80s. I am a first generation college student. So, you know, my parents always kind of advocated for me to work hard, get what I need and really help me in terms of supporting me through everything, even though they kind of didn't know what was going on. Um, I also kind of come from a working class background where my dad was always working and my mom was staying at home taking care of my grandparents as they got older. So I've dealt with navigating that and growing up pretty fast. So juggling all that together. I'm also Muslim, which is definitely an underrepresented um, minority in VetMed. So normally you're surrounded by the white Christian environment. So it's interesting to kind of navigate through that lens. And my culture is very South Asian. I love um, my culture, how vibrant it is and everything like that. Uh, so I kind of use that to get a better perspective of people and to help understand where they're coming from. So that is me. And again, I am a strong woman. I advocate for women to take care of themselves, handle it yourself. You got it yourself. Hi, everyone. Um, I am Maria Grillo or Maria Grillo, depending on how you want to pronounce it. <laughs> I am from a uh, class of 2021, so fourth year student now. Um, and a little bit about me. I am originally from Caracas, Venezuela. Um, I moved here when I was really young, so I grew up in South Florida, which anyone from South Florida can probably recognize that it is a mixed bag of cultures, so that definitely had a big impact on me growing up. Um, I am also a double gator. Um, let's see, I'm a little bit older than some of my counterparts in vet med. I, instead of a gap year, I took like a gap six or seven years. Um, <laughs> so I have some real world experience uh, before school um, in the workforce. I am married. Um, I am an ally. Um, I am bilingual, an immigrant. Um, I also have a number of autoimmune dis uh, diseases. So. When I was really young, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes. So that definitely kind of put a filter on the way I view the world. Um, I also come from a working class background. So a lot of struggles with finances and didn't necessarily have that safety net uh, financially when I was navigating um, college or my studies or life in general. Um, so yeah, I think all of those things, I guess, would be part of my identity. Hi. I'm. Ken Wesley, I'm a rising fourth year veterinary student at UF. Well, I'm originally from Maryland, so I'm an out-of-state student coming to Florida. Um, I'm male, um, identify as gay. I would consider my family to be upper middle class. And I really want to be a stronger ally and want to learn a lot more about, you know, how to be the best ally that I can be. Well, thanks panel for sharing a little bit about yourselves and audience. The reason why it's so important to hear about folks' lived experiences and their identities, you might hear something like, ooh, yes, that sounds just like me. I didn't, um, I didn't know somebody was like me at the vet school. But also for, for people who don't identify with anything that we said, it's great to be exposed to the other identities and also get you thinking about your identity. Let's start talking about the essay. One of the essay questions is, what makes you diverse? And what the panel just did, audience, is they talked a lot about their identities, and some of them did mention how that makes them diverse, but just being Latina, it makes you diverse on paper, but we wanna know why does it matter that you identify as Latina, or why does it matter that you identify as an older student? 
why does that bring diversity into the class and why does it matter? So can someone go ahead and just tell me, give me an example of something about you that makes you diverse and why do I care that you're coming into the veterinary classroom with that diversity? So um, after you asked, I actually started racking my brain and I think I remember what my diversity essay was about. <laughs> um, so I talked about my experience of, you know, like I mentioned earlier, being diagnosed with type one diabetes at the age of seven and what that was like navigating, um, going to like doctor's offices and things like that with, uh, my, my dad worked a lot and he, he speaks more English than my mom does. So having to be the translator for all the medical terminology and speaking to medical professionals when I myself was seven. <laughs> so, um, and also like the struggles of being able to afford my medications and things like that, which adds a, an added stress, which, you know, as a seven-year-old, you really shouldn't be thinking about those things, but it's something that comes up, you know? Um, so I think when I wrote about my essay, it, it, it definitely put a lens on how I view the medical profession, um, why diversity is so important. Uh, I was lucky enough to finally land with a specialist, an endocrinologist that could manage my, my diabetes, um, who was Cuban. So he was able to communicate with my mother um, and explain things both in English and Spanish so that everyone understood and everyone was on the same page, but that wasn't always the case. So I think it's so important being a bilingual person and kind of having that background. Um, I think it's so important to be that doctor. Um, if a client comes in that English may not be their first language, it's like, hey, if you do speak Spanish, I can help with that. The first time I ever met a Latinx veterinarian, I was in my late 20s. So I think it's so important to have that representation and to um, show the community that there's people like them um, in powers or in, in leadership positions. Oh, Maria, you hit on a lot of good things there. So some, there, a couple of things I'd like to point out about what Maria mentioned. One, the representation. So not seeing a Latinx veterinarian into your late 20s. Maria might have thought, maybe I can't be a veterinarian because I'm not being represented in the field. So having representation just by having the demographics and the diversity in the class is important. So there's future role models for students. So that's huge. Two, the bilingual. So if someone comes into my office at Preva and they're like, well, I'm bilingual, so I'm diverse. That's true, but I need you to follow up with, I'm diverse because I can reach more clients I can help remove some health disparities because if no one can speak the language, then those folks are not gonna be able to get healthcare, whether it's veterinary, medical, dental, whatever it is. So being bilingual reaches more people. And then another thing that Maria mentioned was finances. So her experience of being young and seeing how expensive medicine can be, she can now be more empathetic to future clients who are maybe you know, I really can't afford this, what can we do? She can work with them a little bit differently um, versus maybe some folks who haven't come in contact with low-income families or folks who have had financial issues. So she mentioned a lot of great things there. Okay, who else? Yes, Andrea, please. Okay, so kind of piggybacking off of that, I think that question that, that asks, you know, how are you diverse? Why are you diverse? Diversity, to me and, and how I explain it to a lot of people, it's what makes us human, right? Like we're not robots who all come off of a, of a production line. Diversity is our life story. So um, I think there has to be done. And the, the um, 
the exercise you just did about like what lens you see through the world like we can take a moment and just start writing down like what what are your lenses like how do you see the world and I, I know it can be so intimidating for someone who might come from a privileged background who might be white to think that they're not diverse but that's just simply not true like you have you have a life story um and so i think it's just that self-reflection and also if you do come from a privileged background acknowledging that you do and what are you doing to make yourself uh, culturally competent like what are you doing to educate yourself what are you doing to to fix the issues that you see as a as a person and, and how how are you playing a role into that because um i i think everyone everyone has a story to tell so andrea mentioned the word privilege so privilege means that some people were either born into or were given opportunities that other people never had access to. So um, one thing that Ken mentioned earlier, and he said that you know he came from uh, like a, a financially better situation family. Other examples of privilege are if you come from a family with both parents. That's an example of privilege. Um, another example of privilege would be being born in the United States could be considered an example of privilege. And if you're sitting there being like, wait a second, you know, just because I was born in the United States, like how does that give me privilege? I would challenge you to go ahead and do some research because it can be a hard topic to understand. And it doesn't mean you're bad if you come from a privileged background, it's just the way it is. And so we just have to understand that not everybody had the same opportunities and had the same rights. If you look at men versus women, there's a difference in rights there. So um, it can be a little heavy topic, but um, Andrea's right to bring up privilege and I would encourage students as you're writing down your identities, go ahead and write down, look up privilege. I totally agree with, um, you know, Alex's definition of what privilege could be and how it's kind of a dynamic thing. Um, I know myself, the example that she said about being born in the United States is in and of itself a form of privilege. And I know that firsthand because if I was born back in Pakistan, and with the current political unrest that's happening, I probably wouldn't have been able to achieve the education that I have currently. And my mom was from a family where they valued education and she actually tried to go to college in Pakistan, but then ended up having to move to America with my dad when she got married. So, you know, there's just different things and different concepts to be aware of. And um, kind of going off the topics of thinking about when you're writing your essay, just because you're not from a marginalized background or from a you know very working class family if you think you're the most privileged person in the world you still have something to contribute to diversity and that's kind of important and i feel like it's daunting for a lot of people um, when they feel like they have nothing that makes them diverse because your perspective alone and your understanding of other people and you know i i don't really like the word woke but your wokeness kind of helps you become a diverse person and contribute to a classroom and a DVM situation with that background. Kind of going off of what Maria was saying originally where she said she had never met a Latin vet until you know their early 20s. I grew up in a very, very Latin place in Miami. So every single one of the veterinarians I worked for was Latin. And just from being in that environment, I ended up learning Spanish. So I actually speak three languages. Um, my Spanish has gotten a little rusty since I've been up in Gainesville, 
Um, but you know, I realized how helpful it is and how comfortable clients feel when you're able to speak to them in a language that they understand. And it just makes them feel like they're valued and that even if your Spanish is super broken, which I know my grammar was not the best, I at least tried for them and it made them feel comfortable, especially if there's no one else there who could understand what they were saying. So just being open, being reflective on yourself and knowing where you came from and how you contribute to a diverse society because, you know, vet med's a little, a couple steps behind when it comes to the melting pot that is America and, you know, how we are as a society. So it's important to just keep that in mind. On the essay specifically, I just would like to say that, so when I actually filled out this essay, my dad and I got into a huge argument about this essay. I actually had done a lot of work um, in undergrad with our like LGBTQ club and things like that. And um, so I had some like leadership experience. I had done some diversity work. I wanted to share that in my essay, but my dad kind of being from a more old school perspective, didn't want me to share that information because he thought that it would influence my application and would prevent me from getting into vet school. So he didn't want me to take that risk. It wasn't that he didn't support me in my identity, but it was that he just didn't think it was worth the risk of including that information. And so I actually omitted, I didn't include that extracurricular on my, on BIMCAS and I didn't talk about it in the essay. Um, uh, but I think that that experience was super valuable because it was about diversity, which was relevant to the essay and relevant to me as a person, but it was also relevant to leadership experience. And that's something that I think UF, I know, and a lot of other veterinary schools are looking for strong leadership because veterinarians are leaders in our community and, they're, and that's super important. Um, so I think my biggest advice is don't feel that you can't include a part of yourself. If you don't necessarily talk about how you are diverse, you can at least start the essay with like why you think diversity is important and then maybe like go into like different ways in which you help. Everyone has been saying, I think it's just really important. We have diversity in our pro profession. I haven't, I didn't meet a gay veterinarian until like the summer after my first year of vet school. I think that's still the only one I've met. I know that there are many that exist, but I, I still just haven't come across them. Um, and so I just think it's, it's really important to have that representation and have those discussions and have people like you in the profession. Oh, I'm just so happy to have everybody talking about this. And I should say that everyone on the panel today is a leader in diversity in some way or another. So we have students who have started clubs. We have students who have been presidents of our diversity alliance. So leadership that's why they're here and that's why they're talking about all of this. What I would say about um, Ken's point that he did not include some of his undergraduate experiences, I think, and what I tell students with their essays, is you should write whatever you can live with. So same thing with dressing for an interview. Sometimes students have a lot of tattoos or piercings or colored hair or whatever. And they're like, well, should I show them? Should I hide them? And I say, do what you can live with. If you really want to show your true self that day, do it. If you're not ready and you don't feel comfortable and you're going to worry about it later, then it might not be the right time and that's okay too. And you can make those decisions and, you know, Ken, I hope you don't 
beat yourself up about not writing that because you've gotten to vet school and you're doing so many things. And that's what I would tell students is if you are not ready to write it down, don't do it. But I will say from a UF standpoint, we really do love to see that leadership. And I bet if Ken had written that essay, they would be even more enthusiastic about having him come to vet school. So I was just actually going to uh, piggyback off what Ken said. So going back to what I wrote for, for my essay, I was very, very hesitant to talk about being diabetic because um, I was worried that the application or the admissions committee would see that as a hindrance that they'd be like, you know, we're not sure if we want to take the risk of, of taking someone who has an illness um, and put them in an environment where zoonosis is a real concern. And, you know, we don't want to put her health at risk or how is that gonna, she would be able to keep up with other students. It's a very physical career that we have. Um, so it's something that I struggled with for a very long time and I've not been very open in the past about um, my illnesses just because I don't want that lens, right? So it's something that is considered an invisible illness. So I am able to not talk about it and people won't know just by looking at me. Um, but after talking to people who are close to me and speaking with my husband, he's like, that's absolutely something that is a part of you. And going back to what I wrote about, um, it has definitely influenced how I view the world. So why wouldn't I, I talk about something like that? That's such a big part of me. You know what it reminds me of, Maria? It reminds me of mental illness. I have a lot of pre-vet students who are like, I suffer from anxiety, I suffer from depression. This has happened, that has happened. And they're like, I don't think I should write about it in the essay, or I don't think I should bring it up in the interview because they're afraid that there will be negative consequences. There will be some kind of retribution where they won't get into vet school or people will think they can't hack it, kind of everything you're saying. And I tell the student, if you're comfortable writing about your journey and your resilience and your ability to recognize an area of improvement in your life and you've taken steps to help yourself, that is something totally worthy of an essay. Because one, a lot of people can relate to it. So many of us have anxiety and so many of us have suffered from depression that it actually becomes a, a bit of an equalizer. I would say the one time you would maybe caution yourself from writing about it is if you have not explored getting it under control or you have not explored ways to help yourself. And if you're currently still in a very, if you're still in the well and you haven't worked on climbing out of the well yet, it might not be the right time to write about it. And it might not be the right time to approach professional school because professional school is going to be intense. So you want to make sure that you do have some strong self-help skills, some strong coping skills before before coming to vet school. But if you do suffer from any kind of, I'll just call it a life issue, and you are working on getting it under control, I think it's great to talk about it and talk about how you overcome it and what you've learned from it. I know mental illness is kind of still seen as like a dirty word, I guess. Some people feel like they should hide it, that they feel like their professors will judge them or, you know, a a clinician will judge them or anything like that. But if you're able to conquer that mental illness and it contributed to making you stronger as a person. So I personally, I was in an abusive relationship um, all throughout undergrad and it was not a fun time, clearly. Um, but it definitely made me stronger, made me a strong woman, an advocate for other women. And it actually kind of helped me connect with a lot of people in vet school. And 
when I first moved up here, uh, we had an amazing counselor. We still have an amazing counselor, Dr. Stahl. Um, but she kind of helped me and I would go see her right before class started. And I would just kind of talk about how I was feeling. And it's mental illness is such a common thing that I feel like it's important for people to talk about how they deal with it, to build those skills of dealing with it yourself, but also knowing when it is the appropriate time to go out and seek help. So I was dealing with the stress of first year, add that on to the PTSD I had from my abusive relationship and my generalized anxiety disorder, which I'm on medication for, which, you know, that's also something that makes you diverse, that you're, you know, taking control of that. So be confident in who you are, realize what makes you who you are and how it makes you stronger and just an awesome person and kind of go off of that, you know, just nothing's off limits as long as you're okay with it not being off limits. Thank you for sharing that, Hira. I think that the more stories that we share, the more we hear from others, the more um, courageous conversations that we all have, the more we can learn. We can learn empathy. We can learn to relate with others. Uh, it's great to know, especially when, when you meet somebody, you have no idea what their background is typically. And knowing the strong leaders that we have in vet school, but also knowing that these strong leaders have a past, have lived experiences and are still here doing what they're doing. I think that's very encouraging for all the pre-vet students that wherever you're at right now, I mean, COVID is going on, things are crazy. And all of these things that you all have worked through and are dealing with are making you stronger people, stronger leaders and stronger veterinarians. The word leadership keeps coming up and I really wanted to talk about that. Um, it was something that definitely um, haunted me when I was applying for vet school because um, leadership is awesome. Like getting extracurricular activities, getting involved in your community and involved in your college is so amazing, but it's also so time consuming. And the majority of the time it's not paid, right? So you have to take time out of your day to go to these meetings, to, to organize events. Um, and unfortunately you can't use that, right. To, to pay your utility. So I, um, I really was so, I, the only leadership experience I had was like two semesters, right? Where I had a very minimal officer role or I had an officer role in my, in a professional fraternity because the majority of the time I was just working. So I think it was also really, what helped me a lot was that I explained my truth. I explained my story and I, and I talked about, you know, what it was like to, to work my way through undergrad. And I think that the admissions committee really takes value in that. So um, for sure, like my advice to any pre-vet, like if you have the opportunity to get involved by all means, like follow your passions, like, you know, like what Ken said, like get involved with the LGBT club, like get involved with your horse judging team. But if, if you can't like if financially, if, if that, if there's a financial burden, like that's okay. Like recognize that, like do what you have to do. And that's what the essays are for. That's what the interviews are for. Like you can explain your truth. And um, at the end of the day, like it, it definitely is a form of leadership. Thank you for bringing that up. That is so true that leadership takes many different roles. So I have had a lot of students who are like, I could not get in a club. I had to work full time to pay for school. That is a form of leadership. So if you're ever feeling, and we use imposter syndrome a lot um, in vet school and on the podcast, if you're ever feeling like an imposter because you don't have quote unquote everything else that everybody else has, look at why you don't have it. Do you not have it because you were working? Guess what? Now you have something great to write about. Do you not have it because you're a full-time mom? Guess what? You now have something great to write about. 
Diversity is a really broad topic. There's a lot of great trainings on lynda.com. The internet is a treasure trove. Do you guys have any strong resources or clubs or web pages where you're like, this is a really good site to talk about diversity and inclusion? I definitely signed up for the Google news alerts that would come like once a week. So I would get that for like general vet med topics, but there's a lot of organizations in vet med that are focused around diversity and inclusion. And this is kind of my little shameless plug here. Um, I co-founded the Association of Asian Veterinary Medical Professionals. And through that organization, um, we're at Asians in Vet Med, by the way, on Instagram and LinkedIn and Facebook. But we um, met so many amazing people. Latinx BMA is incredible. Juancho and Yvette, incredible. Um, Black DVM Network was one of the first. So that is incredible too with Tierra. And they're just an amazing organization. Pride VMC, Multicultural VMA, um, just allyship VMA organizations. There's so, so many. Okay, so before I also do my shameless plug, um, I just wanted to say if you are a, a person of color, if you are a member of the of a minority community, um, don't be intimidated. Um, everyone on this panel has taken some sort of, you know, like Kira just said, like she co-founded the Asian um, Association. So the best thing you can do if you're a pre-vet student and you're volunteering and getting experience and you're working for a vet is just be good at what you do. Like that is the best thing you can do for your community is to just be good in the space that you're in um, because one that will get you you will get opportunities by being a good volunteer and um, people who might have had who might think differently having a good experience with you is so important and you're gonna play such a huge role in representation so by all means we are not saying like you have to create you know the new organization like oh my god props to you here but like also for all those type B people out there, like just be good, just be a good worker, be a team player. So my shameless plug, right? So um, I'm the incoming president for, if you are, if you're a pre-vet student listening in and you're interested in going to UF. Um, so I'm the incoming president for the Veterinary Alliance for Leadership, Inclusion and Diversity. So we're a student organization here at the college. So we're a student organization that celebrates all facets of diversity and we really just want to educate others and uplift every, um, others. So you can follow us on Instagram at at uf.dvms for diversity. Um, we have been doing social media campaigns highlighting people at our college. We are also on the UFCVM website. If you go to About Us under diversity, we will be there. Um, and yeah, if you guys ever have any questions um, on that Instagram and on that website, you can see what we do um, specifically as DVM students um, at the University of Florida. Um, one resource that I'll share is Underrepresented No More, which is a website that is housed with the University of Florida, a lot of work with the AAVMC. So that is urnm.org. There's a ton of resources for all pre-vet students and a very um, intentional focus with diversity and inclusion. I want to thank our panel for coming on today. Let's go around one time and say one word that diversity, inclusion, and leadership means to you. What is one word that you think of? I want to hear from everybody. I'm going to say my word is robust. Community. Representation. Understanding. Equality. Thank you guys so much for being here. I'm Alex Avellino, and we'll talk to you soon.